The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome everyone to Neo Reality Collective. I'm your host, Eric Brown, and today we are covering the 40th episode and a special one-on-one interview with a certain everyday fan group. (laughs) You'll see in a sec. So, originally I was planning to cover 40 articles, but I realized they would be too big to cover, so I decided to break the segments off into two separate episodes. So this will be episode 40, covering the first half, and the second episode will cover the final half, so I do not make this like a four-hour-long video. Because while we're at a 40 episode milestone, we are not absolutely bonkers. So let's get right into everything and talk about the 20 piece article that we got going. Stalker 2 development has reportedly resumed following its pause due to the Ukrainian invasion. The kid based GST game world has recently confirmed it has resumed development on Stalker 2, Harder Chernobyl, following a pause that was due to the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. As reported by PC Gamer, GRY Online shared the news in an update in the Polish saying a message was delivered in Discord CGS Game World community. E representative Malt with a one in it that said development on Stalker 2 continues and the work is in progress. Earlier, they said this this would be paused earlier this year due to the invasion. The game will continue after Ukraine's victory in the ongoing war. The team also explained that titled "Lights, Camera, War" how their lives have changed since the invasion began. PC Gamer has no rumors have indicated that some of the developers have relocated, and also wrote that they changed the name name of Stalker to Heart of Chernobyl to Stalker to Heart of Chernobyl, well to reflect the. <laughs> Um, to reflect the Ukrainian spelling rather than the Russian. Ukrainian spelling rather than the Russian one. It also shared that the game's official Discord was closed to the new chat following the development pause announcement, but it has reopened in the past few days. In January, the reveal Stalker 2 was delayed to December 8th, 2022. It has further shared no updates as to whether today has been impacted by these recent global developments. So, Stalker 2... Uh, I know people like Stalker 1, but it did suck that everything kind of fell apart when the Ukrainian was attacked by the Russian government. And the less I talk about that, because if I go, I'm going to go into a ballistic, nihilistic rant, the better. Colin Cantwell, the concept artist who designed Star Wars' X-Wings, the Death Star, and so, so many more like Star Destroyers, has tragically passed away at the age of 90. According to The Hollywood Reporter, his longtime partner confirmed that he passed away in his Colorado home on Saturday, May 23rd. While he was perhaps most well-known for his work on Star Wars, his impressive resume also included special pho- photographic effects for 2001 A Space Odyssey, technical dialogue for Close Encounters of the Third Time, and computer design graphics ex- consultant for War Games. In 2001, Cantwell worked closely with Stanley Kubrick and persuaded him not to start the movie with a 20-minute conference table discussion, alongside being instrumental in creating the film's opening. Okay, that sounds really confusing to do. 
for War Games. He programmed the Heartland Picard monitors to show the bomb scenes and NORAD screens as the WOPR launched almost launched nuclear weapons. His work on the project would lead him to a program several that took the actual theme for from a few colors to five thousand colors. Born in 1932 and was diagnosed with tuberculosis and partial retinal detachment at an early age. Age during a Reddit asked me anything in 2016. He said he shared that the cure was to stay in the dark room with a heavy vest on his chest to prevent coughing attacks. And talking about his past works and how he's tragically passed away. It's sad. It's very sad. Tragic all around. Rest in peace, Colin Canwell. And may you find better days beyond, from in the beyond than what we're doing right now. Meanwhile, Top Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, uh, and that revealed that the only one shot could be only be filmed once because the set was blew away. The director revealed has spoken about the movie's astonishing practical effects and how one shot could only be filmed a single time because it destroyed the set. Ouch. So they had to ride into the danger zone to execute some incredible flying scenes, knowing that one shot you blew away the set and everybody leaving the team with what a single take to use. A scene where stealth playing Dark Star flies over Ed Harris, it destroyed the set. You watch it rip the roof off, the guard shack. That was not planned. That was a one time one take thing where we destroyed the set, and that's the only shot we got, and that's in the movie. It's no is perhaps no surprise since it was made. Since Dark Star caused that much damage, the plane's design was so realistic that China may have moved a satellite to keep tabs on it. Oh, oh wow. That, that, that's awkward. So, they chose to use practical effects as opposed to CGI for this movie because he wanted to capture the feeling of being a Top Gun pilot by shooting it for real. However, it required a lot of time and dedication from the cast and crew. Star Tom Cruise was created a rigorous Navy-approved boot camp to prepare his co-stars before the camera started rolling. So, and he also revealed that he shot over 800 hours of footage for the movie and that there's no doubt to the impressive extent that the team went in order to film Maverick in the most realistic way possible leads to quite a cinematic experience, one that Cruz was determined to see play out on the big screen rather than streaming services. Ouch. Like, the film's out now, but imagine if they released the 800-hour cut. Oh boy, that, that, that would be crazy. So, the people of Eidos Montreal, who were recently let go of, of Square Enix and moved to uh, another group because Square Enix were dumbasses that one day, uh, decided to reveal that, yes, we were actually working on our own version of Final Fantasy XV right before it went back to the Japanese studios. Eidos Montreal's ex-art director of Eidos Montreal, Jonathan Yock. Yeah, Jacques, I, I can't pronounce the last name, told True Achievements that Studios One worked on a really cool version of the game. I mean, then they decided to bring it back to Japan, but the, which I think was a big mistake, but it's still the truth. Ours was really, really cool. So, it is curious to know where they were, where they would have went. How... In 2018, a YouTuber named Super Bunny Hop reported on the existence of the project, saying it was a space opera RPG with a Western appeal, but wasn't much more fully fledged as a project than a plan for a game designed in early art. So, yeah, they, they had a very infamous turbulent design, turbulent development period. It went through a lot of extensive periods and very, very awkward. 
and <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's amazing how far they actually get to that point with the game. Meanwhile, I, the Inquisitor, officially announced, developer of the Dust has announced I, the Inquisitor, a story-based action-adventure-based game on the popular books Aie Picaria, in which, in an alternate history, Jesus and Nazareth's response to his crucifixion with anger and rage rather than forgiveness and compassion. In the centuries that follows, his band of Inquisitors serve as violent enforcers of biblical law. You play as Moria Madarium in the 1500s and will be up to you to show mercy to sinners or to punish them. They will let you tackle, decide the fates of those you encounter in the nonlinear story missions. The death says you will solve the various cases and crimes of those who have transgressed against the faith, all while uncovering the truth of a darker evil from another realm that is trying to enter the world of the living. Okay, so they decided to basically cut the formalities and just say, oh, what are we going to animate Jesus a bad guy in this context? Where he doesn't give forgiveness and compassion, he just condemns humanity. Well, at least the at least the Crusades would be feeling like they're more justified than ever in their eyes. Meanwhile, Elden Ring mod, uh, let's move on from religious subtext. I'm pretty sure in the Marvel Universe, I'm pretty sure that would be awkward considering the Jesus of Nazareth was uh, a mutant according to the uh, religiously devoted Exodus. So, meanwhile, Elden Ring mod pits every demigod against each other in a battle royale. The ultimate battle royale against all the demigods. YouTube user Garden of Eyes, who previously my legendary summoned Let Me Solo Her and into Elden Ring and Pit Melina against every other boss, uploaded a video of all six demigods battling throughout a handful of different rounds with different re- rule sets. Ouch. So, they have developed a mod where the gods are battling. Well, I'm pretty sure... So, I'm pretty sure we need to get Wonder Woman and solve this whole case. Clearly, this is the work of Mephisto. Or, granny goodness, we can go with the dramatically car route. Meanwhile, Raven Software QA workers officially vote to unionize, becoming the first official unionization group. The vote count was announced today over an official webcast meeting. Approximately 28... Per- Employees were considered eligible to vote. 24s were submitted and two were challenged and rendered invalid. The Green Group voted to legally form the Gamer Worker Alliance, making it the first North American United AAA company. Indie studio Voodoo Video Games unionized late last year. The move allows members of the Gamers Workers Alliance to bargain with Activision Blizzard Management over their employment contracts. The process we are likely to see unfolding in the coming weeks and months, but at the moment, it seems unlikely that the publisher will make this process easy. The company has been reportedly actively discouraging Raven Software employees from voting in the favor of the union, and both through the town halls and official emails and a Bloomberg report from earlier indicates that the NLRB is rating official complaints suggesting the threats were illegal union busting. Oh, gee, you think Wilmahair had anything to do with this? Raven Software's QA's Road to Unionization has the news since December last year when Activision laid off at least a dozen Raven Software quality assurance contractors amidst year restructuring. Remaining members of the team subsequently held a rock out in protest to send laid out, gaining the support of a number of other Activision Blizzard employees across multiple studios. 
The QA team managed to strike for several weeks, demanding full-time position for members of the Raven QA department, including those who were let go. However, it was clarified that in late Jan January, a group of QA employees announced they were unionized with the Communication Workers of America, CWA. This was immediately followed by Activision Blizzard splitting 23 of its QA testers across various departments across the studio in a move that the CWA suggested was an attempt to dilute the group into a potential unionization. It also converted over a thousand Activision Blizzard contractors to full-time employees, including pay raises and benefits, but clarified that unionizing workers would not be included in this group. Two days later, they announced that they would not voluntarily recognize the union, forcing a vote. The vote took place by mail over the last several weeks, with the final count occurring on that day. So, Microsoft has repeat, Microsoft announced it required Activision Blizzard, and Microsoft has since said it will not stand in the way of a potential Activision Blizzard union. And as all this was going on, Activision Blizzard remains to tag on with a series of lawsuits and exposes, accusing it of harassment and unfair treatment of women employees. As well as highlighted legal scrutiny from a number of other directions, including SEC and the various New York funds, and even Phil Spencer has come out and said he will acknowledge the Raven Software Union Group. So, look what we got from there. Also coming out was the Dead Reckoning Mission Impossible Part 1 trailer that came out. Pretty good, pretty good. And also, that same week, we also had Thor Love and Thunder release and featuring the first look of Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher. The God Butcher. So... Yeah, now people have complained saying he doesn't look comic accurate to the gore, the god butcher in Jason Aaron's run. I think he looks close to it, but I feel like I, I see, I do see the noticeable changes with the character, and I'm thinking either this is a practical issue or they just were like, this is an alternate, this is a different interpretation of the character, so we could just say that it's a different interpretation of the character and be cost effective about it. So, yeah. And we also see uh, Natalie Portman's Mighty Thor and Russell Crowe's Zeus. So Christian Bale can, so Russell Crowe can say he was both Jor-El and Zeus, so he was God in one reality, and a scientist in another who tried to save Krypton. And Christian Bale can say that he finally lived long enough to become the villain because he was Batman, and now he can say he's Gore the God Butcher out to kill all the gods. Vengeance. Meanwhile, the Elder Ring modding community, there's a new mod that enters beta that has entered co-op beta for a four-player seamless transition. Wow. Um. <laughs> oh man, that's kind of awesome. Uh, the beta started back on May 27, but Luke, you you didn't give any indication as to how long it will last or when the official release date for the mod would be. The mod also takes account to other limitations of normal Elden Ring multiplayer by allowing mounts to be summoned by all players, and friendly fire can even be activated by turning on PvP mode. Iron jobs from bosses will be applied to all players, progress is shared, and more. Wow, that, that's providing dedication right there. I gotta give them credit on that for that amount of detail. Meanwhile, the quest to find the next big thing in, co in, in TV between George R. R. Martin's Ernst Throne, Game of Thrones prequel and Lord of the Rings series coming on Amazon. Well, House of Dragon versus Lord of Lord versus Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power. He's helping both succeed, but he's hoping House of Dra House of the Dragon does better. 
Speaking to the Independent, Martin said that he doesn't like how people are pitting the shows against each other, with House of Dragon being released on April, August 21st and Rings of Power on September 2nd, but he's compared enough to, to, to want his show to outdo the other. The minute the dates of the maps, it's like, oh, the battle for fantasy supremacy. It's Ring of Power versus House of the Dragon. Who will win? I don't know why they, they always have to do that. I hope both shows succeed, but I'm competitive enough to say I hope we succeed more. If they win six Emmys, I hope they do. I hope we win seven, but nonetheless, it's a good for fantasy. I love fantasy. I love science fiction. I want more shows on television. The biggest events to happen... Let's see. House of House of the Dragon takes place roughly 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones and follows Daenerys Targaryen's ancestor as he wages war against the Seven Kingdoms. While Ring of Power takes place in the Second Age of Middle Earth's history, a time when we briefly touched upon the trilogy amongst his main characters. There's the king and the king who would cut off Sauron's finger off and claim the One Ring. I have the power. I'm just that guy that's like, well, they're on different platforms. I could just watch both. Hooray for streaming platforms. The morally justified platforms. It's beautiful. We're getting all this insane content, so I'm excited. Meanwhile, speaking of Lord of the Rings, Gollum finally has a release date. I, 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 to this day, I'm still trying to wonder why they make a game about Gollum, because... This takes place just before Fellowship of the Rings, and we know how that goes. He gets captured. Uh, but uh, they did say that it takes is focusing on the Tolkien books rather than Peter Jackson's movies. Yeah, and it will be a story-focused stealth game that will be available on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S on September 1st. And Nintendo Switch version also planned and should be released later in 2022. So, yeah, that's cool. Meanwhile, uh, they it's been revealed that the, the dream of playing Final Fantasy XIV solo is almost here. Saying it's no exaggeration that Final Fantasy XIV is a beast. How long to beat pegs? Final Fantasy XIV's co-op content over 1,484 hours. Along with the single-player story content is anywhere from... 106 hours to 1,565 hours. Well, Final Fantasy XV is and remains a rewarding and worthwhile MMORPG experience. There's hope for RPG fans to look for the experience of a story-driven single-player game. So, there's been some patches coming out that seem to indicate that, yeah, there, there, there seems to be a push for the uh, single-player part of Final Fantasy XIV, but the beginning of the game will always be co-op and, and friends interacting. So, we can be expected for excitement for that. We'll see how that goes, and I'll be looking forward to that. Meanwhile, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has announced a release date set for October in a new tweet confirming the game. In addition, the over-top clip gave a sneak peek to some characters and the potential cover art showing Ghost. <laughs> the skull match, but unlike the grim and gray look in the first Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 is going for a neon green look. Okay. So, yeah. It's also been said that this could be the last annual Call of Duty game, as it was reported that 2023's Call of Duty game will be released in 2024. This series may no longer be an annual franchise following the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Well, good luck with that. Until Microsoft buys it, I'm probably not going to be interested in playing any of your games. 
Oh, and also, uh, I hate to bring this part up, um, uh, I don't play Call of Duty as much as I used to. I stopped playing after the 360 days. And then I played a little bit of Modern Warfare, but I mostly played for its story. I wasn't interested in its multiplayer. So, remember the boys? Yeah, you know, those, the boys... Well, they're hoping to make a cinematic universe out of it, but Amazon says they will build to it slowly. I don't know why they want to make it a shared universe. I mean, like, it's a self-contained story with over 100 issues that tells the story of overthrowing this group of heroes who have become corrupt, as far as I last recall. And there is a spin-off book that takes place after the events, but... Really, it's just this self-contained big story here. But, yeah. So, anyways, um... Amber Heard, remember her? And what she's currently going through in the giant Depp defamation case? Well, it turns out that she was almost planned to be removed from Aquaman 2. And was almost booted from the Aquaman sequel due to negative publicity surrounding the case, revealing that James Wan and Jason Momoa wanted to keep Amber Heard for Aquaman 2 because... BS. However, Warner Brothers Chief Executive Chief uh, Walter Hamada came out and said that was not the case, saying they just didn't have enough chemistry together. The reality is it's not a common movie for two weeks to not have chemistry and serve movie magic and editorial. The ability to perform performances with the magic of a great score and how you put pieces together, you can fabricate the ke- you can fabricate that chemistry. And they say it was the lack of chemistry that was leading to Warner Bros. considered booting Herd. Oh god. So you're saying this, Amber Heard saying that, I don't know what's just going on, so I'm not even going to comment about that. I'm just saying, like, this all could have been avoided if if, if Warner Media just went ahead and got the lady, who, the the, the, the the actress who played Daenerys Targaryen, she would have been a good, good, uh, a, a good Queen Mira, I feel. So Seth Green announced that his new series is in jeopardy after several of his NFTs were stolen. Did, did, do I even need to explain why this why NFTs are just a bad idea, it seems, with the lack of security? Like, th- there's no point in explaining this, is it? So, anyways... The Dead Space creator now says it's a weird feeling not to be part of the remake coming out with Glenn Sh- I can't pronounce his last name really shared his feelings on the Dead Space remake including the feels that he feels a bit weird not being involved in the upcoming project speaking with Game Informer he said that he took the announcement of Dead Space remake as a compliment and is glad the franchise was given a second life but is still kind of bummed to not be part of the involved in the upcoming title uh, saying I took the announcement as a compliment I still take it as a compliment I'm still kind of bummed not about it too there's this weird weird thing like you're not attached to your own game it's a weird feeling they want to make a great game better than the one you made he, having been serving as the creator and executive producer while he was employed at Visual Games and provided creative input on Dead Space 2 before leaving the studio to co-found Sledgehammer Games in 2009 and, and was not involved in the creation of Dead Space 3 so 
He helps the new Dead Space succeed, saying, I do wish them well because I want to see the franchise live. That's where I want to be. I want to play it. I want them to do well. I'm glad the franchise has been given second life. So you're going to have to take the uh, thing for what you can and try and hope for the best of it. And to top this all off, I know I should be talking about Star Wars Celebration, but there's so much news that came out about that, I have to wait for that. So to end this all off, The Witcher 4 has entered pre-production. Confirmed on CD Projekt Red Post, the studio looked back on the first quarter of 2022, revealed that during this time it completed its research for the new Witcher game, adding a little more detail in the developer update video on their Twitter account. CD Projekt Executive Executive, I can't pronounce that name, so I'm not going to say it, said has the game is now entered pre-production, saying we are very eager to revisit the universe, the president of the company said, which has shaped our history to such an extent. We recently concluded the research phase for the Curse game in the new Witcher saga, which means that from now on, further development expenditures will be capitalized on our balance sheet. Having only recently entered pre-production means that the new Witcher game is likely still years away, explaining why CD Projekt Red only revealed it with a single teaser image. CG Project Related confirmed the image to be that of Linux, of Linux, but whether it's the new Witcher School or not is still up for debate. So, no other updates came out other than that CD Project Red has partnered with Epic Games to build in the Unreal Engine 5 and that his director promised no crunch on his watch. Let's hope that. But I'm now worried about, C- about CD Project Red's commitment with Cyberpunk considering that they haven't released expansion packs yet. Yeah, and details about that are still sketchy on that, and we still have a lot of things to go before we get the game we were all initially promised. So, we'll have to see where that goes, but that's about it for the for this episode of this segment. Tune in for the tune in for this ad break and then come back and then we'll be back with the final half with the final with the big interview going on on for with a certain group. You'll see that in a little bit. This was Near Reality Collective. Stay tuned for more and look out for more content. And I'll be working on getting the final half of the of the of episode 41 ready for publication. And we'll see y'all next time. Take care, everybody, and have a good day. See ya. Welcome everyone to the final half of this podcast of the 40th episode milestone. I'm with a co with a co-host for this for this segment. For the first time in a long time, um, Neo Reality Collective has been expanding and trying to get into new opportunities and ventures. And I can safely say that I'm with the owner of the Everyday Fans fan site, and I wanted to give them on board to help showcase this launch and our new partnership with them. Um, tell us about yourself. Hi, I am uh, Paul Casanova. We are EDF Sports, the everydayfan.com. We are a sporting news site, but we are much more than that. We are a, uh, uh, the, the official title is EDF Sports Holdings, Inc. So what we plan on doing is getting into every avenue of media we can get into, um, from videos to radio to TV, you name it. We plan on being there. Right now, the magazine uh, is centered on sports news. And we have a people spread out all across the country. We have actually people in eight different countries who cover sports. And we are credentialed in just about every sport out there. Uh, so we try to bring the news as we say it. Uh, the news that everyday fans like us would want to hear. Good, good, good sales pitch. Uh, so 
this, this is what I wanted to ask you. Um, what did prompt you to start Everyday Fans? Well, we uh, we originally started with a group of writers and content creators from across the web. We we've all been from uh, SI fan sided. Uh, just about everywhere that you can think of out there we we've had people or we've all been there and this business is a little crazy when you get into these little smaller type of of magazines and it's just it, we just wanted it to be different we knew things that, that were wrong with the business um a lot of the business is always hyped on helping the business become better and that's fine we all want the business to be better but it wasn't so concentrated on helping the people grow and so our main objective here at EDF Sports is to help everybody who's here to grow. Um, if, you, if you are a podcaster, we want your podcast to be seen by everybody. If you're a writer, we want you to be the best writer you can be, and we'll help you in any way that you can do that. And that's been our, our focus, and, and uh, we've actually done a really good job of it. We've had people that are, are now uh, on, on news anchors to, um, you know, doing their own thing in the podcast world pretty good. So I think we've done pretty good. All righty. So, yeah, the, so yeah, I had had some talk with, with every, with the owner of everyday fans and we were talking about, about a potential deal and work things out. And I can safely say that new reality collective has a bit of a partnership going on with everyday fans. And this starting off with this episode with the 40th episode milestone, technically it's like what the 80th episode, because technically there was a season one of the reality collective. And I was, on my lose, old... you, you can't lose that first season. Come on. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, so the new reality collective thing. Let, let, okay, let me just say this. This was just an off the wall idea I had on my on my new reality entertainment channel. Like, I wasn't really doing much content. I couldn't really think much of what to do. Uh, I could have just done video game stuff. I yeah. was still doing thoughts videos on selected pro- topics like comics, games, and movies. But I was like, like I always been on Twitter and I always talk about the big news going on in pop culture or the infuriating stuff that goes on in WWE. And that's just my opinion on that. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. So I thought, could I make something out of this? So I thought this idea of a daily news show, I would produce an episode every day because there's a ton of news. I would round up a bunch of articles and stories that I was personally interested in and the season was and it lasted for a while it lasted for about two and a half months and yeah that that was an intense work period on that because (laughs) i was now making two videos a day and i had other big projects i wanted to do which were pretty painful hassle half the time and that's to be expected when you're going into content creations oh yeah you got to have the time to do it right yeah, this was during the pandemic at the high point. So I was off work. I had virtually nothing to do. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I got this free time on my hands. I got a lot to do. I don't know what to do with it. So we'll just think of it as we go. Like we always say, if you're passionate about it, man, it'll show. And from the ones that I, uh, all, all the shows that I've seen of yours, I mean, it's, you definitely have some passion. 
Thanks. That, that, that to me is all it takes in this in this business. You got a passion for what you like, you'll be able to come across to anybody. Thanks. And one of the things I I I did I, I here's the thing: the biggest high point I ever got on my Neo Reality Collective brand podcast, uh, Pop Culture News Talk. I actually landed an interview with someone from who works who worked at DC Comics and at Image Comics and is currently working at Marvel currently. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, I got Steve Orlando, uh, the writer of acclaimed series such as Supergirl. He's also done some Scarlet Witch stories, and he's currently working on the Destiny of X title Marauders. All right. Very nice. Yeah, I did try to get other people to interview for the podcast, but um, they were they they I never got they never got back to me on that. But the thing that really started changing things is because I started getting burnt out because I was making two videos a day, and I had and I was like, I gotta keep making one bit one episode a day thing. So I then suffered a burnout, which sucked, and the episode <laughs> lasted for about. And the series lasted for about 46 episodes with a to- with three bonus episodes. So equal to f- yeah, lasting for about a total of 49 videos. So that was 49 days worth of, of, of news all covered and whatnot on my end. I also did this bonus segment where I would showcase the comics I bought that day when the comic book industry ba- opened back up. Oh, okay. And And yeah, it was fun, but eventually it was like, I needed to break myself away from this for a little bit because I was burnt out. Yeah. And I didn't know when I would be going back to work soon. Yeah. I mean, it it can definitely do that to you, boy. You can get into it. Like I said, you do it right. It takes time, man. People don't understand how when you do a podcast like yours, it's the quality that it is. It's not a quick thing. You know, you have to put in a good amount of time to do it right. Yeah. And this was just like my first starting off. It was starting out as a simple YouTube video podcast. I would I made these overlays to act like I'm on a news network and I'm ch- talking about the news. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was just a little gimmick I was trying out. I think I, I even had I actually. I even used the OBS feature to uh, make a news ticker, so to speak, to have this news be dragging on the bottom yeah. of the screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I eventually, after the Steve Orlando interview, that was pretty good. I thought I would get more interviews. I was trying to get James Tiny in the fourth, which would have been awesome. He was the writer of Batman at the time. Sadly, he was too busy and I couldn't get him. Then I tried to get some other writers, but they couldn't, they never got back to me on that. So I kind of moved on and did the episode still. And eventually, after I got burnt out, I went and did some other content. Then my YouTube algorithm oh, God, the YouTube algorithm. Oh, God. My you could nemesis. Do, you could do a whole series, a season on YouTube in the pro. <laughs> yeah, I, I was lucky enough to even get like from the most consistent amount of viewership I got on the podcast. The, the highest episode was the first episode with 72 views, but every episode after that were between 30 to 50 people watching. Some were, but there was a down period after the Steve Orlando interview where I was only getting about 20 to 30. Right. Um, 
you, you want to hear something funny is uh, we started off our, our, our signature podcast, the EDF Sports Podcast, and my name is is Paul Casanova. Well, there was a, a baseball player with the same name some years back in the 70s, and he was from, oh, I, 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 I want to say Argentina, but don't don't hold me to that right now, but... In any case, when our pod started, we we got a a large following in that country. <laughs> uh, well, so, at least that was a good start. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they thought like you know that it was him that was doing the pod, you know, seeing the name, but um, so it was it was kind of lucky on that end. Uh, uh, yeah, it was really weird. I kept looking at the numbers, and all of a sudden you'd see Argentina, and we'd get thousands of people in Argentina, and I'd be like, what? what is going on? So I had to do some research and then I was like, okay, <laughs> I think I know what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, we have about, we have about like 10 minutes before the zoom call ends. I'm not a pro on here. So just to give the heads up. I got you. Um, after that, I was planning to make a comeback with a reboot, so to speak of New York collective, you know, comic book logic and all that. Right. I was going to start in 2021, but then I had to delay about a week because of a, an event that occurred. I would say it, but to this day, I'm still mad about it, and I get frustrated to hear what happened. It was January 6th when I was supposed to originally come back. I, I will not say what happened. I, I, I think you I think you can tell what happened on January 6th. Yeah, yeah, that's uh one of them days, right? Yeah, that was a uh, bad one timing. Of them days for me. it'll live. Yeah. So I had to wait, took some time, uh started to replan how to do it. I would instead do Wednesday and Saturday to cover the first half of the week of news and then cover the last half of the week of news because if I just condensed it all into one video, it would just be an exhausting process and do a daily stuff. And I thought, no, that's not going to work. So I moved it to anchor.fm. I got an intro produced and here we are. There were a couple of hurdles where I took some breaks because I needed to take some time to reevaluate myself and work. And then I got back to work and then I had to readjust the schedule again. And I was still working on other projects at the time. Like I do a right, I do fan fiction just for the heck of it. I also, I also do my job at, at my, at my, at my local job. Uh, man, and I do the night shift. So uh, I have to do things by the day or wait till the weekend. And right now, uh, things are looking good on that front. I also do a wrestling YouTube channel after I had to reboot the YouTube, my, my near reality brand, because the algorithm had destroyed because my channel was so diverse, filled with content and didn't know what to do. So it ultimately <laughs> said, yeah, I don't know how that's the problem. It ultimately <laughs> decided I can't make anything out of this anymore. So I have to break off the channels into niche channels so Neo Reality Collective went to one channel the wrestling content went to another channel and we're here where we at right now Neo Reality Collective has been slow growing on the uh, YouTube side but on my wrestling channel is actually doing pretty pretty well it, it reached a thousand subscribers this year and I got oh, nice. my monetization rights 
Nice, nice. Yeah, it was pretty difficult. It took 12 months to get to there. 12 months, that's not bad. Dude, that's that's really that's not that's not a bad climb. I mean, you did really well. Thanks. The reason why I took and there were and there were, I I actually broke the internet at one point. I got a video of mine to get viral on the grounds that I talked about Darby Allen and at his match with uh, if I if I recall this correctly, Darby Allen versus man, it, it was my most popular video. Got over ten thousand views. Oh sweet! Yeah, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. Yeah, that Very was a good day. Nice man. Hey, that's. I mean, that never hurts when you do it like that. I mean, also that's organic. You know, when you get when you hit one like that, people will see you. They come back to you, man. You're, you're good at what you do. Don't doubt yourself. Yeah, th there was a time I did doubt myself after the after that big explosion because after like a few days it was like, oh wow, I got something here. Then I went to produce my next episode, and that one didn't do so well. It was like, oh god, it, oh god, I wouldn't be surprised if people thought I was botting the YouTube the YouTube <laughs> algorithm somehow. I don't even know how to do that. That was how bad the viewership declined afterwards for a while. <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what well, it like, is. The okay, here, here's here, here's the comparison. Um, <laughs> currently, my video for Darby Allen versus Brian Cage reached 12k views, 12,000 views, with yeah. 52 likes. I then talked about Kenny Omega match at Hard to Kill in the six man tag team match that only got 308 eight views and 303 likes. That's that's still respectable. I can respect that. Yeah, but it was just like a massive blow, like to me, to like, wow, how did I get like, yeah. how did I lose like three fourths of that audience? Right, right, yeah. Uh, if we, if, if, as soon as you can figure that out and how that actually works, you, you'll make us all rich, okay? Because <laughs> you uh, if only if only you if only you two could stop messing with me. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was a it was a time. It was a real a real frustrating time when I started getting a decline, sharp decline in viewership. Then I had to get myself back up on viewership just to get back in the thousand range on some videos. I eventually did get it with Roman Reigns and Brian and Daniel Bryan on their on Brian's last match right before he left to WWE. But there is something I am always going to be proud of. I talked about Rio versus Serena Deeb on my wrestling channel. It didn't get as much viewership as the Darby Allen video, but if you search up Rio versus Serena Deeb, my thumbnail is the is is in the top four rows to be popped up oh, on the Google yeah, image search. Good. Yeah, yeah, you can, that's good. I like that. So I mean, it's hey. obvious too that people like the like your uh, like your wrestling content though. Popular thing. I always look at wrestling like it's a comic book universe with the amount of characters and the shared history going on when you right. go to promotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like, like when we were talking about talking about this deal to get to do a working together kind of deal, I was confused. Like, why would people? Why would sponsors be so hesitant with wrestling channels? Like, it, it's not the '90s or '80s anymore. Like, things have yeah. changed a lot, and I, I they know. would be. 
cold feet over, oh, he's a wrestling channel. We can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just a niche thing. Yeah, you know, when you, it's one of those things, too, where I, I think if you don't understand it, then then you don't even try, you know? And so there's a lot of people who don't even try to understand wrestling, you know? Um, and those people know, miss yeah, out on a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, the, the, you get closed-minded, and that's what happens. And I see that a lot with that. With that, and I'm going to call it a sport because I think it's a sport no matter what. You know. And just working on videos, like I, I've slowed down a little bit on my Neo Reality Wrestleverse channel, mainly because I haven't been able to watch as much wrestling due to my work commitments in, in outside IRL. So I had to mainly watch certain segments and matches in order to get a video content made but it's getting there and i don't and my last video when i broke the i talked about the sasha banks story mm -hmm. any second mark uh if you want you could plug your things in send me links and i can post it in the, in the podcast form okay do you want to plug anything before we have to, before the time ends? Uh, we uh, go check us out at the everyday uh, EDF sports on Yahoo. I mean, on uh, YouTube, our channel is EDF sports on the, U, the, the, the YouTube channel. We have several podcasts from baseball to betting to our general one, which we talk about whatever's hot at the time, whatever flavor is going on. Um, we got the Queens takeover. If you guys like that wrestling, those guys are, are, are some of the best there is. There you go. We'll see you all again next time. Take care and welcome to the world of EDF of the everyday fan. Take care. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.